Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. Have you ever been interested about what all it takes to be a truck driver out here, delivering the goods all across America? Or more importantly, what is it like being a team trucker out here with your significant other 24 hours a day in a small confined space, working together, eating together, sleeping together, you name it. If you've ever been curious about the trucking industry, please listen to Larry and I's other podcast, Married to the Road. Again, that's married, the number two, the road. Please be sure to give it a listen today and don't forget to hit that follow button. Welcome back all my trucking true crime fans. We're so excited to be here. I am your host, Angela Baum, and I'm here with my hubby. You say hi. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So Larry's with me today and we're recording our trucking true crime podcast. We're so excited to have you join us. Today we actually have a very special podcast for you. We have an interview that we did with a lady named Joanne Macklin, and she has a story to tell about her son. And it was, I don't know about you, Larry, but having the the interview with her yesterday was heartbreaking to say the absolute least. Absolutely. So to give you guys a little bit of background, and we'll get more into the story when we talk with Joanne, but this incident took place May 9, 2019. It took place in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was at a warehouse for American Freight Furniture, where her son was the manager. His name was Thomas Hartman, and he worked at this warehouse where truckers would come and deliver the furniture. And so that particular day, he was actually in a meeting, but he was there at the warehouse, and a truck driver named Timothy Saunders had showed up early for his delivery. He didn't even have an appointment, right? Yeah, he didn't even have an appointment. And so he got there, and instead of just, you know, normally, like, when Larry and I, we get to a place to deliver, we'll pull up, but we won't pull up into a dock. We'll pull up, we'll get out, and be like, here's our paperwork, we're here for an appointment, what dock do you want us to go to? And on this particular day, Timothy Saunders just pulled right up to a dock. What did you think about that, Larry? That's not right. That was his first mistake. Yeah. I mean, you just, you don't, because it's, it's almost like you're assuming, like, unload me. Right. Even though he didn't have an appointment time. So, to give you a little, ba- a little bit of background about Mr. Timothy Saunders, he was a Clarksville police, de- police officer who actually had retired from the police department. So, he'd worked for over 20 years for the Clarksville, Tennessee Police Department, and then he became a truck driver. So, on this particular day, he showed up at the um, American Freight Furniture, and he had a delivery for them, and he showed up early. And so, when he went up to the dock workers, they're like, listen, 
you know, we don't have you on the schedule. And we have, I think it was two or three trucks ahead of them that they were trying to unload. Yes. And they're like, but if you'll just be patient, you know, we'll try to get to you. And that's how most places are, don't you think? Every time we've delivered, if we're early for an appointment, they'll be like, we'll try to work you in. Right. And most places do. Especially if you don't even have an appointment, you're not even on the schedule. And, yes, you sit there and wait to be fit in. Exactly. So he didn't like that answer. He got very frustrated, and he was he was pretty much screaming at the dock workers at that point. And they're like, listen, we're doing the best we can. So he walked back to his truck for a few minutes, and my understanding is that he had to walk the whole length of the warehouse to get to where his truck was parked at. So the reason I'm bringing this up is every time we talk about him walking back to his truck, you need to keep in mind that it was a long walk to get back to where his truck was at. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that he had a long time to think about what he was going to do and how he was going to proceed with his actions. He had a lot of time to think. So he walked back to the truck the first time, and then he comes back again, and he's irritated again, and he's like, listen, I want this truck unloaded. So the dock workers are again telling him, listen, these other two or three trucks that we're trying to get unloaded, if we take you first, then they fall into what's called detention. Can you kind of explain to maybe people who aren't truck drivers, what is detention pay? If you are waiting to be loaded or unloaded, and it's like usually if you wait more than two hours, then they tack on some payments because of your wait time. So the more you wait, the more they have to pay. Exactly. And that money that money would have been <clears throat> charged to the American Freight Company and it would go towards the truck driver. So in other words, they're being penalized for not getting the trucker unloaded if he had an appointment. So they didn't want those three trucks to have to go into detention pay where they were going to be responsible for having to pay those truckers to have to wait longer, which is a good practice. Not to mention, they had appointment times. Exactly. They had appointment times. So he comes back, and again, he's getting into the faces of these dock workers, screaming vulgarities, and at this point, they go ahead and decide they need to get management involved. So that's when they went and they got the manager. His name <clears throat> was Thomas Hartman. And he had been in a meeting that day, but he, he, he knew what was going on. They were keeping him updated. The receptionist was letting him know what was going on. The dock workers <coughs> were letting him know what was going on. So he came out there <clears throat> very professional. He's like, listen, I totally understand that you want to get unloaded, and I get it, but these trucks were here before you. They had appointment times. We will do our very best to get you unloaded, which any manager is going to say, and I thought that he, he handled himself very professionally. And the truck driver timothy saunders didn't like that answer he got very frustrated started screaming at him again and again he walked back to his truck so this is time number two so then he comes back a few minutes later and again they have to go get uh thomas out of his appointment or out of his meeting to try to deal with the situation and again thomas tries to get the truck driver to calm down telling him again we're going to do the very best that we can to get you unloaded <clears throat> and again he didn't like that so as Thomas was walking away, and you know, he pretty much had said all he was going to say to Timothy Saunders, listen, we're going to do the very best. But in other words, if you keep acting like a jerk, we're not going to do our very best. Because he was being very disrespectful to the dock workers, screaming at him, screaming at the receptionist, screaming at the manager, Thomas. And he just wouldn't calm down. So finally, when Thomas was walking back to his meeting, he told the receptionist, he's like, keep an eye on him, because they had surveillance cameras there. He's like, keep an eye on him. And, you know, if, if he does anything or if he comes back, let me know about it. You know, we may have to get the police involved in this because this guy was just so irate. 
So for the third time, Timothy walks the length of the warehouse, goes out to his truck. This time he stays in his truck for a few minutes. When he returns, now I want to remind you, this is May 9th, 2019, and this is in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm assuming it was probably pretty warm that day. I would assume probably the 80s or the 90s. But this time, Timothy Saunders comes walking back. He has a jacket on now. He's changed. He's changed his appearance and he's changed his look. So he comes back. He's completely irate, just like he has been the other two times. He now asks specifically to see to speak to the manager, Thomas. So again, Thomas gets out of his meeting. He comes out. And he's like, you know, can I help you, sir? What, what can I do for you? And Timothy Saunders reaches behind his back, pulls out a gun, and shoots Thomas directly in his forehead between his eyes. Just when Joanne told that story, it was just horrific. It was heartbreaking. Yes. So unfortunately, he did die. And we'll, we'll go more into the story when Joanne tells it. But <clears throat> I do want to mention that when we were recording Joanne... It didn't catch the very end of our conversation, and I thought she brought up a lot of really good points that I wanted to kind of go over. Um, you know what? Maybe we should do this at the end. Maybe we should let them listen to Joanne's interview and, and then, then catch yes. you guys all up. Because I think you need to hear Joanne's story first. Before we get going, I do want to say Joanne can be kind of hard to hear sometimes in this recording. And I want to explain to you that Joanne is now raising Thomas's two young children. She used to be, we, we should tell everybody, that she used to be a truck driver with her husband. They were over-the-road truck drivers. They were owner-operators, and at the time of this incident, Joanne was actually on the road. She has now since come off the road to raise Thomas's two children, and she now has been diagnosed with two different forms of cancer. And one of them messes with her, with her uh, saliva. saliva glands. So she gets a dry throat. So it is kind of hard to understand her every time... Every once in a while, she pauses to take a drink of water. Yeah, so just be patient. It's a good interview. Joanne's an amazing person. And what I'd like to say before you guys listen to her interview is please keep Joanne and her family, and especially Thomas's children, in your thoughts and prayers. And we'll explain to you why after the interview. They have a lot going on the next couple months. But we're going to take a quick commercial break real quick. We're going to pause. Then we'll have Joanne's interview. And then after Joanne's interview, Larry and I will be back and we'll touch base on, on some of the things that Joanne had mentioned that didn't get recorded, but we felt were important that definitely go with the story. Absolutely. We'll be back in just a moment. Good morning, Joanne. I thought that I would give you a chance to introduce yourself because you were a longtime truck driver for uh, about 12 years yourself, so you do know a lot about the trucking industry. Yes, ma'am. Hello, everybody. I'm <laughs> Joanne. And you, were you team truckers with your husband? Yes, yes. He um, at one time we owned he owned three trucks, but um, we went down to just the one, um, and so. You know, we've just always been owner-operators. That's awesome. Now, we I want to explain to everybody because I came across a news story that had mentioned a horrible tragedy that happened to your family and specifically your son, Thomas. But the incident happened back in 2019, and I thought that I would give you the opportunity to kind of tell exactly what happened um, because, you know, the story's always going to be different from the mother's perspective. Right, right. And if you read about it on news articles or whatever, um, 
they didn't get anything near right. Um, the um, Tommy was a single parent father, and um, he fought hard to get custody of his kids, and he had had custody of them for seven years. He would take them to school, drop them off, and me or their nana would pick them up after school, and then, you know, he would get them uh, when he got off work. Well, this day, he went into work, and uh, it was on a Thursday. He went into work, and um, Timothy Saunders, who is a truck driver, um, he showed up, and he did not have an, an appointment. Another interesting thing about Timothy Saunders was, is he was a retired Clarksville, Tennessee police officer of 27 years. So he had only been driving a truck about six months. Anyway, he showed up. He did not have an appointment. So the people in the warehouse, um, it happened at American Freight, which is a big furniture place. The, and my son was manager. And the people at the warehouse was explaining to him that he had to remove his truck from the dock and they would squeeze him in when they could, but that he didn't have an appointment and they couldn't pay other truck drivers detention when they had appointments and needed to get in there. And of course, as being truck drivers, we know how that goes. You know, yes, you need an appointment. And, yeah, and, that was the thing that bothered me because it, he had an appointment time and he showed up early. And I think what bothered me about the whole story was he just backed right up into a dock and just expected him to unload him, even though he was early. Yes, yes, and and he and they tried calling the company and telling the company, you know, look, you need to get your driver to move. He's refusing to move. But anyway, um, he wanted to speak to the manager. My husband, I mean, my husband, my son was in a meeting, but they called him out, and he went out there and he explained it to me. Your name is not listed here. Your company's name is not listed here. You don't have an appointment. The warehouse guys have explained to me that they will squeeze you in when they can. But we've got to get these other trucks out of here. You've got to move your truck. And he started yelling at my son and everything. And no, I'm not, you know, he said a lot of swear words. Uh, well, my son told him, you know, he just, it was all on video. My, my son just threw his hands up in the air, you know, and he said, you got to move your truck because he didn't want to argue with him. So he went back out to where the meeting was happening, his meeting. And uh, anyway, the, the receptionist said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And this was like 30 minutes later. Timothy Saunders had walked. It showed on video. He, he had walked, left the dock, and went to the cab of his truck several times, like two. The third time when he come back in, he had on a jacket. 
And um, the receptionist was saying, oh, my God. And she had seen what she said looked like a gun. So, you know, in the back of his pants, below his jacket. So she called my son out of the meeting. He went running out to the dock in case he did have a gun, you know. Um, and he went running out there, and he was like, no, no, listen. And has, and that's when Timothy Saunders turned around, pulled out the gun, and shot him right between the eyes. Oh, my gosh. That's just awful. Um, yes, and... You know, but the thing of it is, is there was no reason. I mean, you know, especially for somebody that was a police officer for all these years that are supposed to protect people. Absolutely. I mean, we we know as truck drivers how frustrating the job is. I mean, we've both been there, but we also know that, you know, working at the warehouse and being a dock worker, that's a frustrating situation, too. But to pull out your gun because you're frustrated because they can't get to you when you're, you know, early anyway for your appointment time. What a crazy, and it's awful. Yes, yes, it, it was. And then, right after he shot my son, he jumped in his truck. The trailer doors were still open. He jumped in his truck. He took off. <clears throat> And they were able to surround him right before he got on the freeway. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. So if he, and, so they got him before he got too far. Because if he had gotten on that freeway, that probably would have been a nightmare. <clears throat> I hope oh, he got yes. That's what I'm thinking about. All the other innocent people out there. And he's got his trailer doors open. Exactly. And he just you wanted know, to try to flee the scene. No, but, um, you know, he was, you know, they they ended up just getting, even though he was arrested for several charges, uh, they got the gun. The gun was actually the gun that they gave him when he retired from the police department. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And he, um, they, but they let him plea all the way down to second degree murder i read that and i my first thought process and, and correct me if i'm wrong joanne but when i read that how they allowed him to plead down and then the other thing that i noticed was if you research your son's case there's not a whole lot of media coverage on it after the arrest it's like in my opinion it, it almost seemed like once they found out that he was a retired clarksville police officer then it didn't get a lot of media coverage which in my opinion you know was horrible for you and your family because you guys should have gotten that media coverage and he, you know it just seemed like they kind of wanted to brush it underneath the rug it 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 was and and it did um they um you know i was i almost wrecked my truck when I found out he had got murdered. 
I was driving. He got murdered in shortly after noon. I was not notified. And then, I mean, I had some of his friends was calling me, but I was driving, so I don't answer the phone. You know, I would just hit, for, you know, send it to voicemail. Right. Um, and then my grandson called me, um, his son, you know, and he hung up while I sent it to voicemail, but then he called right back. And I said, hello, you know, and he was like, Grandma, how are you? Are you okay? And I was like, well, of course I'm okay, little Tommy. Why wouldn't I be, you know? And he said, oh. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, um, are you driving? And I said, yes. And he said, well, Grandma, you pull off somewhere safe and then you call me. And I said, no, son, if something's the matter, you tell me now. Oh. And that's when he told me. And I just lost it. You know, I, I guess I should have listened to him. But, um, yeah, I was going down Interstate 20, and it woke up my husband from the bunk. Um, it was raining, and I had slowed down and was only doing like 20 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine, especially being a truck driver myself. I mean, that's my biggest fear is when we're driving down the road and getting that horrible phone call. I can't, I mean, I can't, I can put myself in your shoes. I can only imagine. Oh, uh, it was, it was horrific. And then, you know, um, I had to go to court um I, I i was able to we can sue timothy saunders um because he didn't have nothing you know i mean he had a house but of course right after he got arrested he signed everything over to his wife oh geez yes see yes. i almost wondered and if you were eligible to get like a, if he had a, a military or a, a police pension if you would because because you're raising Thomas's children now, and, and that's quite an expense, and now you're not a truck driver. So I had wondered if you were able to sue in order to recoup some of that. Um, the thing of it is, is he lost his pension. Oh. See, he was, you know, a retired police officer, but he lost his pension the minute he was found guilty of a felony. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had to quit driving. Like I said, we're, we're owner-operators. Um, the children were awarded. Um, they get 880 a month, which goes into a trust fund for them. Um, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, because... Tommy wanted him to go to college and uh, had been saving for that anyway. So that's what it's there for. It's going to a college fund for them. And yes, I quit driving. And my husband started driving locally um, where he does dedicated. Um, and he runs four days a week. 
but that way he's home every night and he's home on the weekends. So we got the children covered, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's been um, a real life changing experience. And, you know, they still miss their daddy horrible. Um, I still take them to a therapist twice a month. Um, and it's, um, then of course I got ill, um, which wasn't a big help either, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, but now Tommy how- was, he was the one that made me a mother, you know? Aww. Um, the one thing I can be thankful for is, um, he, him and the children had moved back in with us right before Christmas, um, the, you know, before May when he got murdered. Right. Um, and, um, so, you know, I, I have to try to find the positive sides. Otherwise, I would be a basket case, but that Wednesday before I left to go to work, that Wednesday night, I talked to him before he went to bed. He would come in every night. We'd sit and talk in the recliners that he bought for me. And, um, you know, I got I got to tell him I love him, you know, and I talked to him that Thursday night um, on the phone, like always, and uh, I had told him we had hit some horrible, horrible storms in Texas and the wind and everything, and we had pulled over. And he said, um, well, it sounds like I'm going to be lucky to get to see you um, tomorrow morning. And I said, yeah. I said, but it's okay. We're fine. You know, we'll we'll still be back um, tomorrow. And he said, okay. And he said, you know, he said, I hate it. It seems like every time you're gone, mama's when the rain and stuff hits here. (laughs) So I started, I started singing that little song. You know, I was like, oh, I said, that's so sweet of you to say. I said, just remember, you know, I'm your sunshine, your only sunshine. You know, so, um, and, you know, of course, I got to tell him I loved him again, you know, so it was, um, yeah. But needless to say, we couldn't complete that load. We had to get somebody else to come and grab the truck and, right. um, and finish the load for us. Um, but yeah. Now, Thomas, is, he had three children. How old were the children when this occurred? Because they were young. Uh, yeah, little, uh, his son, little Tommy, uh, little Tommy was 19. Um, and then mm, Peyton was, I think he was from 14. He was 10 and Delaney was eight. And I've got the eight, and the, well, the one that was eight and the one that was 10. Right. I've, I've got them. Such a, I mean, that's just such a, the fact that, you know, he fought for custody, which, you know, 
and was a single father, you know, with your guidance and help. I mean, that's that says so much to his character of who he was to begin with. And then for them to use to lose their dad at such a young age and in such a horrific way, I'm sure this has just got to be incredibly hard on him. Oh, it, it is. It is. Um, you know, his his daughter, I've had to put her in Lakewood a couple of times. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not Lakewood, Parkwood, um, because um, she started cutting herself. Oh, no, yes. Yes, yes. And, you know, it was... Um, um, I, my ex-husband had remarried, and when it happened, they went and got the kids out of school, and they told them that how their daddy got killed, and I don't think that should have ever happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and to say that you know, an accident happened at work, you know, and your father is gone now. Um, that's one thing, but um, my granddaughter, she would have dreams and say that, you know, she's seen a ghost shooting her dad, and, and um, she's seen his head pop off, and, you know, just stuff like, so I can imagine it has to be horrible you know he was their life i mean he was off on wednesday and sunday nights and that was their they called it their date night daddy date night you know and he would take them to a movie or out to eat or you know if it was a sunday to the zoo i mean that's what he did he didn't have a girlfriend he didn't have he spent his life with them kids oh that's that's amazing. I love the fact that they called it date night. I mean, that's a, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's what they called it, daddy date night. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, because sometimes I would ask them, you know, well, are y'all going to come over this weekend and go out back or we grill or something, you know, and they tell me in a heartbeat, we can't. We would have to do it Sunday, and that's daddy date night. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I know this is a horrible tragedy, but I guess the benefit, I mean, the positive side of this is, you know, that you're, you're being there to be able to raise his children. And I'm sure, you know, you see so much of your son in them, especially with them growing up. So it's like, you know, his legacy is still going to be around, but I just, it was such a horrible story and a horrible impact on you and your family. And I just felt like the fact that he was a retired police officer just didn't seem to give your family the justice that, you know, and and then, and then he didn't, his, his sentencing, in my opinion, was pretty light too. Did you feel that as well? Oh, I definitely felt that, you know, when they first arrested him because he left the scene, um, and he was speeding down the roads to try to get away, what they call invasion or invading. Um, but it happened in Tennessee and he, at, could have been facing capital murder charges. And in my opinion, that's what he should have been facing. Me too. It's exactly what I thought too. But the fact that I, the fact that it happened in Tennessee and he was a retired police officer from Tennessee, I think played a huge factor 
in his sentencing. It is. And when I asked the DA, I asked her, I said, why did they just arrest him for first degree murder? I said, why is it not capital murder? Why did they drop all the other charges? And she said, well, I don't know. And my exact words to her was, you know what? If it was your damn child, you would know. Absolutely. And then when they kept saying, and just so everybody out there knows how the law works, okay? They they kept saying, letting us know firsthand. Well, you know, we think he's going to put his attorney's going to put a plea on there. No, don't take no plea. Well, that's our decision. I mean, you can have some say, but bottom line is it's our decision. Right. And they kept saying that. And another thing, they told us 20, 25 years, his plea agreement was going to be for 25 years, uh, served at 100%. Okay. Then I get a letter from the Board of Prisons, and this is totally not true. And I called, okay, he gets 15, he can earn 15% off of his sentence. But had we went to trial, and they would have only found him guilty of first-degree murder, then... He would have got 40 years, and this is so everybody knows. They they can earn regular um, convicts that go to jail for murder that are found guilty by a trial, a jury trial. They can earn 16 days off per month, good time. They can earn 30 days or 35 days, depending on what they choose. They can do metalworking. They can do woodworking. They can do kitchen work. There's so many things. There's like eight things that they can do where they get a month off their sentence, plus the 16 days that they can earn per month. Holy crap. And that's the re- and I'm just letting everyone know this because I've had, I had heard about people getting out of prison for murder. You know, they got sentenced to life or they got sentenced 25 years, but 12 years later they were out or 14 years later. That's the reason why. The, and, and I hate it because I went to school for law, you know. Um, but that's the way our judicial system works now. There, we have so many prisoners and so many of the prisons are overcrowded. They're doing everything they can to let these people out as soon as they can. That's just awful. And, and, you know, I understand why they're doing it because of the overcrowding of the prisons. I get that. But I don't think that they put in perspective the family members and the victims who were victims of this person's crime. They don't take that into consideration. 
They don't. They don't. And his family moved uh, from Clarksville, and they had lived there uh, all their lives, but they moved because of their kids, you know. Um, their kids were getting all kinds of stuff at school, you know, from other students and stuff. Right. And it's like, well, of course they were because everybody there kind of looked at their dad as a hero, you know. He's he's a hero. He's a police officer and all of this. And then all of a sudden, no, he's not a police officer. He's a cold-blooded killer. Right. Oh, that's and, and that's the that's the thing. His actions that day and him losing his cool not only affected you, your grandchildren, and of course your son, but then his own children as well. I mean, it's all because he couldn't just control himself. And over such a silly situation of you know, we get it. We're all you know, we've been truck drivers, we understand the frustration, but to lose your cool and to end another man's life just because you wanted to get unloaded it just seems insane. Oh, it, it definitely does. And I'll tell you something else. I had people calling me friends of his and, uh, you know, relatives. There was like six different people I'd never even heard of in my life that were instantly trying to set up a GoFundMe account. Oh, wow. People were donating. I had to call the GoFundMe people and have them cancel. I said, we have never set up. They said, well, you know, if you try to set up a GoFundMe account, then this is going to be on record that you're saying no one is allowed. And I'm saying, yes. I mean, if that's what I have to do, then do it. Because I don't know these people. My son didn't know these people from Adam. Okay, everybody. So we are back. And we know that you guys just had a chance to listen to Joanne's interview. And like we had mentioned at the very beginning of the show, there was about 10 minutes or so that my stupid microphone quit recording. And so we didn't get a chance to get the last part of the interview. But she brought up a lot of good stuff. And we wanted to, you know, mention it. Um, so one of the things was we had mentioned that Timothy Saunders was a retired police officer from Clarksville, Tennessee. And one of the things that really upset her, and I thought rightfully so, was that when he was initially charged, or when he was charged with the murder of her son, he was only charged with second degree murder and not capital murder. And in her thought and in her opinion, she felt that his service as a police officer might have played into that and the fact that he didn't have well they said that he didn't have a criminal background what do, what was your thoughts on that turns out that he did yes so that was one of the things joanne what we should say is not only was joanne an over-the-road truck driver but joanne also had gone to school for law so she is very educated in what she does and very much understands the law and the reasoning behind it and so she has done so much research on her son's case one of the things she did with the help of her son was actually looked up to see if Timothy Saunders had any type of criminal record because they kept saying that he was an outstanding police officer with no criminal record 
come to find out, he actually had, I believe it was three domestic violence calls on him, but all three of them wound up not having any charges brought about because his wife at the time, or I guess she still is his wife, uh, didn't want to press charges, which I think is very common when your husband's a police officer, wouldn't you say? Yes, that happens more than you realize. So that that was the thing, and, and that really bothered her. Another thing um, was the fact that because he only got charged with second-degree murder, then he only got charged with 25 years for her son's murder rather than a life sentence or the death penalty. And we also got to throw in that after he shot Timothy... Thomas. Thomas. He hopped in his truck and ran. Yes. They had to chase him down. And he never got charged with fleeing the scene either, which I thought was wrong. Because not only should he have been charged with the murder, he also should have been charged with fleeing the scene. But he didn't. So I thought that was right. And then the other thing that she brought up is, and she actually, this morning, I forgot to show you this, Larry. She sent me, it's, she has a, a, there's a website that she can go to that shows her how much time he can earn off of his sentence by good behavior. That's right. And so he can earn 15% off of his sentence um, by having, by doing things around the prison, you know, by working, working, yeah, and good behavior. So that 25-year sentence now is being chiseled away down to probably 20 years because of his good sentence and all the work that he's doing, which, you know, to her and her family and Thomas's children that are still here, that's not very fair. No, and he should have got life as a cold-blooded murder. Yes. And another thing that we should also mention is and it's probably something that's going to be brought up, is did the trucking company that, that Timothy Saunders worked for, did they ever reach out to Joanne and her family after the incident to say, you know, hey, we're so sorry for our truckers' actions? And that answer is? The answer to that is absolutely not. They never reached out to her. No, which I, I could see it from two perspectives. Maybe they thought, hey, she may not want to hear from us because it was our employee. But we do have to say this was a small trucking company. This was an LLC that only had a couple trucks in existence. And their lawyers probably advised her, advised them not, not to, to contact her. Yeah, so she unfortunately she has never heard to this day. She has never heard from the trucking company. Um, they've never reached out to her in any shape or form. Nor has she heard from Timothy Saunders' family. Um, as a matter of fact, she said that when they actually did go to court and she sat there in the courtroom, she said that the entire time that Timothy Saunders would walk in there, he would give her an evil look, evil eye. He felt She felt like he was staring her down. And his whole family did the same thing yeah. to her. Like, she, like blamed her. Yeah, like she had anything to do with this. She felt very intimidated by his family and by him. But nobody from his family has ever reached out. We do know that his wife and children did move to be closer to him, so they do live by the prison where he is currently at. And we do have to say that she was very sympathetic to his wife and his children because obviously they didn't sign up for this. It wasn't their fault right. that they're going through this, and she is very sympathetic to them. Another thing we found out was that right after the murder, like right after the murder, just a couple days, somebody had made a GoFundMe account. It wasn't her. It was nobody in her family. But somebody had set up a GoFundMe account saying that the money was going to be going towards Thomas's three children. It was a fraud case. It was a fraud case. I mean, it's horrible that she had to deal with that like three days after her poor son got murdered. Here she is trying to do all the funeral arrangements and deal with all the legalities that come with the murder and now having to raise these children on her own. And then somebody set up a GoFundMe account that wasn't going to go to her or the kids. Nope. And she did get it canceled. 
Yeah, she did get it canceled, but I do have to say, nobody ever did a GoFundMe account, which I wish they would have, yeah. to help her out. The other the other side did a GoFundMe account, and they got almost a million dollars. Yes. Yeah, Tom, yeah, Timothy's family did a GoFundMe, and yeah, because of who he was, because he was a police officer, he they, their family raised over a million dollars. But here's Joanne having to raise Thomas's children, and now she's got cancer, two forms of cancer, and they didn't get any money, which I felt was so wrong. And the police stopped his pension because of, a, of the crime. Yes. So she doesn't. She, she couldn't even, even go after his, his police pension. Nope, because no. they stopped it. Yeah, the minute that he was, the minute that he got sentenced and he was consent, the minute he was found guilty for second degree murder, the police immediately canceled his police fund. Had she. Had if for some reason he was found not guilty, she could have gone after his police pension. But because he was found guilty, then he immediately lost that. And so any access that she had for the kids, she lost that too. So pretty much the only thing Joanne is getting for those kids is workman's comp. Yes, and Social Security. And we do have to mention that she has not touched that money. She has put that money away for the kids. That's for their college fund. Yeah, and she said her son wanted him to... Her son... Her son already had a account for their college fund. Yes. So this is just adding to that account. And we do also want to mention, I know that Joanne kinda kinda touched on it and, and but I wanna mention again that, that her son Thomas fought for over a year to get custody of those kids before he died. He had three children. Two of them were under the age of ten when the incident occurred. The one son was nineteen. He was the one that actually called Joanne on that day to let her know about Thomas being shot but the two children that are under 10 are the ones that um, Joanne is raising and by the way if you guys haven't visited our Facebook page or TikTok page I do have photos that Joanne has provided for me of Thomas and the children so she sent me a lot of photos so please be sure to visit our Facebook page and our TikTok page um, Trekking True Crime podcast to see all the photos that Joanne has provided for us um, but Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about the so the the mother of the children. He fought for over a year to get custody of him because she did have a drug problem. And at the time that he passed away, he was living with his mom Joanne with the two kids, and there was a no contact order against the mothers because of her drug problems. And unfortunately, she's still not in the kids' lives right now. But he was a good father. He was a single father who lived for his children. There was no reason for him to be murdered. And it's so sad the fact that he was. And he was trying to be a good father. I just, the whole story is sad. And, and the saddest part about it is her son didn't get the media attention. I think he should have because they were so concentrated on the fact that this gentleman was a retired police officer and oh poor him he probably had a PTSD episode and I think her son got lost in the mix yeah which is really sad yeah one last thing I want to say before we end the show is she shared a story with us that didn't get recorded and I felt that it needed to have mentioned this incident took place May 9th 2019 and on the very first Thanksgiving after her son's death she found out through her attorney that uh, Timothy Saunders family came down and they had a big to deal at the prison where on Thanksgiving Day the prison invites all the family members to come in and see all the inmates and they decorate and they have a really nice Thanksgiving meal and on that particular day Timothy Saunders got to enjoy a nice Thanksgiving Day he got to spend the whole day with his family and his kids 
And the reason that really upset her was on that particular day, you know, five months after the incident, six months after the incident, he's being able to celebrate this holiday with his family and children. And on that particular day, she was setting an empty plate for her son at the Thanksgiving dinner table where his kids couldn't enjoy him for Thanksgiving. And every year since then, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's always an empty plate at that table for Tommy. Yeah, that is so sad. So I just, that... There were several times in that interview you and I were catching ourselves on tears and just broke our hearts. But I want to thank Joanne so much for sitting down and doing this interview with us. I know that she has not gotten enough media attention on her son and her grandchildren. She is a wonder woman. The fact that she used to be an over-the-road truck driver, which you know I have mad respect for since I'm a truck driver myself. But then she, you know, quit her job so that she could stay home and be a full-time mom to her grandkids doing what she knew Tommy would want her to do. She's just an amazing woman and now she is battling her life right now. And we do have to mention that well, And her husband got off the road and became a local driver so he's home every day. Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. To help her out. And we do want to mention too, they do have a court case coming up in December and the only reason I'm bringing this up is they are suing the trucking company um, to hopefully get some money for the kids to help them out with their college and the expenses. Um, I hope they get something. They, uh, me too. They never got a penny out of this deal. And the trucking company has tried to settle with them once. And the fact that they tried to settle with them once, the attorneys think, you know, they could get a little bit more money. For and the money mediocre, goes... Yes, mediocre settlement. A mediocre yeah. settlement. So please just keep Joanne and her family in your thoughts and prayers. A, for her health. And B, that hopefully they will have a wonderful Christmas present and hopefully... This is all going to be end, done with in December, and hopefully they win this lawsuit against the trucking company, and they can provide a good future for those kids. And she is an amazing lady. Absolutely. Again, please be sure to visit our Facebook and TikTok page. Joanne shared a ton of pictures with me of her grandkids, of her, of Tommy, and I want to make sure you guys all get an opportunity to see those. And thank you, Joanne, from the bottom of my heart. I truly appreciate it. And we have vowed that we are going to stay in touch with Joanne. Um, she is a wonderful woman and a woman I would like to become friends with. And we can't thank you enough for the interview. Yes, thank you so much, Joanne. Next week, our podcast episode is going to be on a serial killer truck driver named Clark Perry Baldwin. We already have that episode recorded, so please be sure to join us back here next week while we discuss this serial killer trucker, and it's got a lot of twists and turns in it, too. It's a pretty good episode, so please be sure to join us. And as always, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you are listening to our podcast at, and please be sure to share, like, and follow us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies, for giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate you listening to our Trucking True Crime podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page or our TikTok page, also Trucking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trucking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there. Thank you.